Welcome back to the Sip and Feast podcast. Today we're going to be talking about Christmas traditions here and around the world. Tara, give us a little synopsis of today. So actually, this is in response to a listener who sent us an email And it was in response to our Seven Fishes episode. They had said that they thought it was very interesting that the Seven Fishes is a tradition amongst Italian-American families. And they were curious if we had our own unique family traditions, not necessarily food-related, that we could share. So when I read that question, I thought, I think we could turn this into something a little bit bigger and maybe talk about some of the interesting Christmas traditions that take place around the world. And as I was doing so, I learned of a few that might be considered a little bit scary or bizarre or whatever. Some of them I knew already, the scary ones. One of the scary ones that I always think of, like immediately, is the Krampus. That's on my list. Okay. Well, we'll so, talk about that one after. So we'll get to that. Um, we'll we'll start off by talking about some of those, like like you said, around the world Christmas t- traditions. Then we'll talk about some of the traditions that we do in our own family. Um, and we'll talk about some of the food also. Because, I mean, this is the Sip and Feast podcast. We, we can't not talk about food. And speaking of food, Jim, I see you have a little feed bag in front of you. <laughs> Tell us what you have. Okay. Well, this does not encompass everything that we've made up until this point. And today is, let me see the date. What is today's date, Tower? The I think it's the 11th. I'm so, this is the time of year where I feel like I'm in a fog. It's December 11th, but it could just as easily be December 20th. Yeah, I think people's habits, like, so we're creatures of habits, but- during this time of year, everything kind of takes a backseat mm-hmm. to to Christmas and yes. the rush of getting gifts, getting worried if you're going to have, if you're going to host, whether it's Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, worried about, you know, the family members that are going to complain about the food. And yeah, I think a lot of the normal activity, mm-hmm. so maybe you go to the gym every day, maybe you get that eight glasses of water in, you know, maybe you eat healthy. But during the holidays, that kind of all goes out the window. Yeah. And also speaking from my own experience, I spent 20 plus years working in financial services. I mean, the month of December was a blackout month for us. We weren't even allowed to take off. It's the busiest time of year when you're working, whether it's in financial services or you're working the finance department of any type of company, you're approaching year end. Yeah. I get what you're saying. A lot of people are are stressed this time of year with yeah. their jobs. Yeah. And now talking about stress and ways to relieve your stress <laughs> are these cookies here. Now, again, these aren't all the cookies. What do we have here, Tara? All right, I'm going to go clockwise. Yeah. All right, we're going to start with Italian almond cookies. Yeah. Right? Yeah, Italian or Sicilian. Sicilian, yeah, yeah which, whichever. You've got snickerdoodles. You've got Italian S cookies, which are shaped like the letter S. Yeah. Spoiler alert. And oatmeal raisin pecan cookies. Yes. So those are four. These are four that we just made recently for the website. These are all on the website. So these are part of them. And then we also have a couple other ones coming up. And then we have all the ones that are already on the site. Mm -hmm. So we are going to have a little bite or two today. 
as Tara says, my feed bag. I, I'm just going to say right away, the, the best cookie here by a mile is, what is it, Tara? Well, that's your opinion. What is it? Yours is the snickerdoodle, and that's Sammy's favorite too. If I had to pick a favorite on that plate, it would probably be the almond cookies. The almond cookies. Well, those were a huge hit. A lot of people liked them. Mm -hmm. Okay, a lot of people are making that recipe. The snickerdoodle, let me tell you, if you never had one before, oh my God. I mean, <laughs> you know, look, I grew up, I'm, I'm 45 years old, and my mother deprived me of a snickerdoodle my whole entire life. And your mother deprived you of a snickerdoodle also, right? I didn't know what a snickerdoodle was until I was uh, an adult. Was a snickerdoodle, maybe a snickerdoodle wasn't even around until recently. I don't know. But I, what I am going to do, since I have coffee here, I'm grabbing an S cookie because yeah. it's, you see how readily it dunks. Yeah, that's a dunker. That is a dunker, that one. I like your shirt too. What do you got there? Scro Scrooge and Marley, financial services. Love that shirt. That's a nice one. Not as good as my shirt. So- I wore my Scrooge and Marley t-shirt today, and I'll talk about it later, because A Christmas Carol, reading A Christmas Carol, watching A Christmas Carol is one of my favorite Christmas traditions ever since I was a little girl. I think it's fostered my obsession with, with England. <laughs> That's kind of maybe where it was rooted in. But we can talk about that more a little bit later. Yeah, well, we're going to... That's what I'm going to eat my cookie while you talk a little bit you right eat, now. You eat your cookie. That's what we're going to be speaking about is the traditions. The most common tradition for Christmas is gathering around and enjoying a meal with your family. But wanted to take a look at some of the other traditions that might be less known to us here in the U.S., right? And the first one, which I actually did know about, is the pickle in the tree, have you I never heard, heard of this? No, I never heard of that one. Did you ever notice that we have a pickle ornament that goes on our Christmas tree? No, I didn't notice probably that either. Probably not. No. You can buy them at Hobby Lobby. I'm sure Target probably sells the pickle on the tree. But this tradition is believed to have started in Germany in the 1500s. And the idea is you would hide the pickle somewhere in the tree. And whoever, whichever child finds the pickle gets a special gift. That's well, kind of a, a nice tradition. So sounds a little sounds a little weird. It you is know, go find the pickle. It is so <laughs> you know? okay. This is a family show. Yeah. Like, what's the other tradition? Go find the potato. Actually, there's a potato one that's up next. But the the pickle is interesting. So if you're ever because I always saw pickle ornaments and I was like, oh, all right, I'm a big fan of pickles. Like, I would buy a pickle ornament, but I never realized that there was actually something more to it. And I bought one. I don't know, a few years ago, and nobody really ever cared to find the pickle, but I was I would always hide the, hide the pickle. <laughs> anyway. It's not as bad as, like, hiding an egg and not being able to find the egg. Oh, like a real yeah. hard-boiled egg for Easter? That's happened, yeah. too, um, where we have found a hard-boiled egg hidden. So the Easter Bunny did a very diligent job of hiding it, and we didn't find the egg for, like, three months later, and it had turned black. You should have got smart by that point and used the plastic eggs. Listen, that was back when I was a kid. Oh, yeah, okay. when I was a kid, too. We we, were, yeah, there we was no plastic We were eggs. using real eggs. Yeah. All right, next one is something that takes place in the Netherlands. Dutch children leave their shoes by the fire, so Sinterklaas, and that's how they say Santa Claus in Dutch, will fill them with treats. 
And they'll also sometimes stick carrots in their shoes for Santa's steed. So I think there they believe that Santa rides on a steed instead of a bunch of reindeer. And if you happen to be an unlucky kid who winds up with a potato in their shoe instead of a gift, it means you were on Santa's naughty list. All right. Well, I'm going to put a potato in uh, the kid's shoe this year. Well, actually, they won't even get it. James will just be like, why is there a potato in my shoe? Like, cool. I can make tater tots. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he won't. He won't get it. <laughs> the next one is an Italian tradition of Belfana. Belfana is a witch. She's a good witch. And she visits children in Italy to fill their stockings with candy and presents if they've been good. And similar to Santa, she will also come down the chimney. Is this a is this like a common one in Italy all throughout the whole country? I think so. La Belfana is yeah. the witch. So I remember Angie, who's my dad's wife, she was born in Italy, came here when she was around 10 years old. She always talked about getting clementines or like small oh, oranges yes. in her stocking yep. at Christmas too. So I don't know if that was just something her family did or if that's something that Italians do. She was from Siano, the is the village where she was, which was near Salerno, which I think is a larger city. So if any of our listeners happen to be from that region of Italy and you observe a similar tradition with the the orange. I think the oranges are are more I think that's like a po- like poverty, you know, like that's the gifts that, that that they got. Now no coal in Italy. I didn't so I, I'm not an expert. Yeah. I didn't read about coal. I'm just, I was reading about interesting Italian traditions. Yeah, I'm sure. I, it, it's funny with the Clementines because I always, you know, I still always think of that stereotypical image. Remember, like, I guess it wasn't from when we were young. Maybe it was when we got into our teens. Remember when they were, like, just selling the crates of Clementines everywhere? Yeah. And I would always see, like, in fact, I think her father, like, used to buy them. And But I would always remember mm-hmm. people would always buy them and- they were so happy to have that big box of clementines. Yeah, I, I for a while was buying them too. They're so you good. Are. I you love are. them. Yeah, yeah. They sell them that way anymore. I feel like I, I don't see, see them, them in the crate. Yeah. They sell them in like the mesh bag. The mesh bag now. now. Yeah, times have changed mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, they're not in the crate anymore. Yeah, but I love them. I think they're so good. All right, next is I thought this one was interesting. This is from Ukraine. Christmas trees are decorated with fake spider webs. Okay, and the reason why is this, there was, I guess, a tale of a poor woman who couldn't afford Christmas ornaments, and she went to bed one night after putting up her Christmas tree, and when she came down, the tree was decorated with a whole bunch of silvery, sparkling, beautiful spider webs. Interesting. Yeah, they don't obviously use real spider webs to decorate their trees. They're using, you know, like the ornamental ones. I guess maybe the ones that we would use around Halloween time. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. Another one is related to poinsettias, the Mm. Christmas flowers. Do you know where poinsettias come from? What country did they originate Mm -hmm. from? Where are they indigenous to? Oh, I'm going to go with Brazil. You're close. Where? Mexico. Mexico, okay. Okay. So a Mexican legend tells of a girl who had nothing but a bunch of weeds to offer the baby Jesus at a Christmas Eve service. When she knelt to place the weeds by the nativity, the bouquet burst into bright red flowers. Ever since then, the flowers, whose leaves are said to be shaped like the star of Bethlehem, have been known as the Flores de Noche Buena or 
flowers of the holy night and became synonymous with Christmas. Please excuse my pronunciation if it is off. I think that pronounced. I only took five years of Spanish no. in high school and did not do well. I think that pronunciation <laughs> was really good. I think that you do a great job. Every time, every time I, you know, butcher completely a word and the most recent language I was butchering was French the last few weeks. Yes. But You've been butchering that since the 90s when you were in high school. Ex- yeah, actually, that's true. I've been butchering French for for a long time. Italian, I butcher, you know, when I try to do the words. Um, I always like to say, like, I speak New York. That's 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 what I speak. Mm-hmm. You know, people say, well, what is this? You see in the comments always. They're like, I can't, where, you know, like, this is a weird language. I'm like, I just sound like everybody from here. But we've spoken about this in the past. People under 40 do not have an accent anymore. It's really weird. Hmm. Why is that? And now it might not be 40. It might be 35, the cutoff. Yeah. Why is that? I don't get it. It could be because they're exposed more to people from other areas of the world. So it's almost like a globalization of an accent. You know what? You're right. So New York in general is made up, especially the hipster areas, they're made up of non-native New Yorkers. So they're everything that's there, the language is doesn't sound like New Yorkers anymore. Yeah, but I'm not even just talking about that. I'm talking like you think of these, these kids, they're watching TikTok, they're watching Instagram, and they're watching influencers from literally all over the world, and they're hearing different voices and different pronunciations of words, and they're listening to the Kardashians and they're yeah, the mannerisms, the way they pronounce things, and they're picking up those mannerisms. So yeah, I mean that I, again, that's just my hypothesis. Versus out here, it is very insular and doesn't change. So that's why I sound like everybody I went to school with. Well, you didn't have that exposure. Yeah, because we were, there was no there was no influx of people. No, it was always just it the was same. like your parents and the kids around yeah. you. So. I think my accent changed a little bit when I started working in financial services. When I was in my 20s, I used to talk to financial advisors, and the region I was responsible for was the Southeast. So I used to talk to a lot of folks from Florida, Arkansas, Georgia, South Carolina, and hearing the different accents and having to kind of tweak the way I spoke. I think made my New York accent a little bit more subtle. And then certainly living in Minnesota for a few years, I really had to curtail my my accent. I consciously had to do it. I tried too. I just stopped talking when we lived in this state. But (laughs) that was was a very pleasant three years. I stopped talking. (laughs) Like I really yeah, I know Tara loved it. Tara's like, we're moving back. Moving back. Moving back. But no, I really did not speak much. And yeah, if you if you want to, I guess, become, you know, a newscaster or somebody on TV, you really, I, I think you, so you go to college in communications, you really have to lose those accents. Yeah, I think they want you to have a very neutral accent, almost like, it's kind of like a Midwestern accent, yeah. but not. But yeah, I mean, you'll hear newscasters and you're like, I can't tell where they're from with the way they speak. 
Yeah. But they don't talk like that in real life. They're putting on their voice. That's true. That's true. This is, I don't put on a voice. This is just my voice. And my voice isn't bad. I mean, I would say a, on an accent level of a 10 being the worst New York accent, I would say I'm like a four, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There's certainly people that are I mean, there's people that are that are, that are so exaggerated yeah. that you think you're watching yeah. like a fake show, but it's, yeah. but it's real. Right. But that's a die. Those are dying breed, those people. Yeah. Well, like I said, I think it's the exposure to to folks from around the world. All right, enough about the accent. Let's continue with the traditions while I eat this snickerdoodle. So in Guatemala, there is a ritual that takes place on December 7th. Do you know what December 7th is? December 7th, and I think it's December 8th, commemorates um, Jesus's mother, Mary. So it's December 7th is considered the eve of the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And people gather in towns and villages across Guatemala for La Quema del Diablo, which means burning of the devil. Since the 17th century, people here have believed that burning an effigy of the devil will cleanse their homes of the evils and misfortunes suffered in the previous year. So that one's like bordering on creepy, but it's got like a positive outcome. Not like one of the more darker ones, which I will talk about in a moment. Um, The next one, which is the most enticing or best sounding tradition that like I would love to do and maybe we should do it in our family not necessarily on Christmas Eve maybe even like the day after Christmas is from Iceland and I am definitely going to mispronounce this word I'm gonna try Yola Bokaflod and it translates to book flood and on Christmas Eve you'd exchange books with your family along with maybe some chocolate hot cocoa, or even special types of beer. And then after you've exchanged those things, you all just sit around reading your new books and eating chocolate and drinking beer. This is Iceland? Yeah. This sounds amazing. You know what? I, they know how to live there. They Everything is slow with the springs and the hot springs and the looking at the beautiful scenery. And now I'm hearing about reading books with each other. I think Scandinavian countries have... The this concept nailed down, and there's the Danish word hygge, H-Y-G-G-E. You may have heard of it before. There, it's basically the word that means coziness, um, or it's a feeling of coziness, and it's something that these Scandinavian countries kind of live by, especially yeah. during the the colder months. And they they'll fill their homes with with candles and lots of textured blankets and slippers and it's just it's all about being cozy it's about reading books it's about playing games while there's a storm raging outside it's just like the best of winter it's such a great idea and you know i just started reading a book recently it's you know it's a business book which which i guess i don't even know if that counts necessarily but it's nice to just read books instead mm-hmm. of you know people say oh i read a lot each day so you're on your phone consuming a news mm. article or on the computer. It's not the same. It's different also, I think, reading on a Kindle or some type of app like that. Because when you actually read a book, a physical book, it just, I don't know, it takes on a different feeling, a different vibe. Yeah, it's its a better, it's just better to do that. And I think maybe even reading some of the classics would be a really good idea. Well, that is 
something that I like to do every year around Christmas. And I I want to talk about one more tradition, but since we're talking about it right now, I'll bring it up. There are two things that I really, really love to read around Christmas time. And the first is obvious from my Scrooge and Marley t-shirt. It's A Christmas Carol. Um, But I also love to read. It's a very short story. Read it in, I don't know, 15, I don't even know, 15 minutes, less than that. Do you know what it is? The Gift of the Magi. Oh, yeah. Have you read that by O. Henry? Yeah. If you haven't read it, I recommend reading it. You could even read it aloud with your family. It's a beautiful story about a couple who are kind of too poor to um, afford gifts for one another. And I don't want to give away the yeah, ending or anything, it but, it's a great, it's, but I recommend yeah. reading it. It kind of gives you that warm, fuzzy feeling and is definitely in line with the gift giving and giving of oneself. So not not necessarily along those lines, but another really short book, not quite as short as The Gift of the Magi, is um, As a Man Thinketh. That's another, these are both very small, tiny little books, and they're really good. A little mm-hmm. different. The last tradition that I want to talk about, which I think is the most bizarre, creepy, whatever you want to call it, is the Krampus. <laughs> the anti-Santa. So the Krampus is known for wandering the streets in search of badly behaved children. This is so creepy. So in Austria specifically, people will dress up in these like really horrifying masks and they'll walk around and they'll prank kids and, and people. And there's even an annual Krampus parade in Vienna. And there's been movies made about this. It's like 20 movies yeah. on it. There's, like, there's I a lot of them. There are. And these, uh, if you look at some of the illustrations too of the yeah, Krampus, comic books, they're scary. I mean, they're really scary looking. Um, the Krampus movie that I saw that I liked that I think is probably worth watching is, I think it's just called Krampus. It was in- 2015. 2015. Tony is in it. Um, the guy that plays Todd Packer in The Office, I don't know his name, but he's in it. Um, who's the other guy? Adam Scott. Adam Scott from Parks and Recreation. Yeah, he's in it. And then the kid in the movie is the same kid from the movie Chef, MJ Anthony. Yes. And it's just, it's it's a good movie. It's scary. It's so a, it don't is, watch it with little kids. You know what? It is a good movie. And I think we didn't even talk about watching that one again this year. We really should. Yeah. But we're going to talk about movies in a okay. minute when we talk about our own Christmas okay. traditions. Yeah, those but are I wanted traditions. to mention that because that is a movie. It ties in with the Krampus I tradition. I actually saw another Krampus one with William Shatner. That was, really? yeah, it was like, it was like rated R. <laughs> so it, not as good as the other one that Tara is speaking of. Now, those are two of them. There's like, there's like 30 of these movies. Do you know, we, I don't even remember. I'm trying to remember the name of the movie we watched last year with James. It was a fin, Finnish uh, movie. Oh, it was bad. It had like these really scary naked elves. It was really and it, I didn't realize how- But they were humans. They were- <laughs> It was like, oh my God. That It was like imported goods or it exported- It was so- What was the name of it? We've been ripped off so many times and I know you have also. They're, I mean, Netflix is <laughs> one of the worst perpetrators in this regard. You know, they, the infinite, I guess, quest for content- at a decent price makes them have some good movies, 
and then some of the worst movies you've ever seen in your life, and they're blended in in the same section. Like, you'll be like, oh, Legends of the Fall, uh, Braveheart, uh, Shawshank Redemption, oh, this... Uh, this movie with naked elves. And then like, it just, <laughs> and you, you like this, well, it must be good because it's next to th these other movies. And I don't know. And you know, what's the worst when you start watching these movies and this, we do this often and I, you probably do it with your family. You, you get invested. You're like 30 minutes in, you're 40 minutes in. Well, then at that point, you and can't, you're like, I'm you can't call watch it. it. You, you, you gotta, you gotta finish it. Yeah. There was a movie recently that we just saw, and I love Jordan Peele. I think he's hysterical in Key and Peele, and you know he's obviously extremely talented. He did the the Al Pacino show, uh, the that one. Um, he did Get Out was good. Yeah, Get Out. He he did the t remake of the Twilight Zone, but the one that was really not good was what was the name of it? Nope. Nope. Yeah. I mean, honestly. I was disappointed because I love The movie him. was a big nope for me. Yeah. And it wasn't just me. It was it was everyone. I love Jordan Peele. I do I do enjoy impersonating his many characters. <laughs> if you haven't seen <laughs> Key and Peele, there are some of the, it's some of the funniest um individual skits you will ever see. Just, my number one is what, Tara? Substitute teacher? No, no, not sub. Everybody, everybody's oh, the, number one. Everybody's okay. number one is you a substitute like the teacher. The one from like where they're aerobics guys from the eighties. The eighties aerobics instructor. <laughs> if you haven't seen that one, just go on YouTube, type it in. You, you will die laughing. Yeah, another really good one by them. Uh, and it's a dark one. This is actually where you could see Jordan Peele kind of like went off the rails, and this is when he was getting the idea to make all these horror movies. It was the uh, Family Matters episode. Oh, that one, yeah, and then also Flicker, Flicker, where too. he like yeah. flicks the guys. My favorite is the me any of the, of the Megan ones where he yeah. plays Megan, <laughs> and then um, Keegan Key plays Megan's boyfriend Andre, and that's just so funny. And then the other one is um, the Eternal from Within. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, we, I mean, they were making all this stuff. Let's not talk about they that were here, but all you this can stuff you when can watch Saturday that one. Night Live was absolutely horrendous for all these years. There's all yeah. this other stuff going on around it. They're the best. All right. So let's move into talking about our own traditions. And I mean, some of them are really basic. Like, we'll always bake cookies. Yes. Right? In the weeks leading up to Christmas, and then we'll give them away, sometimes to family members, sometimes to neighbors. Quick thing about the cookies. People were asking, I, guess, I gather you probably want to know, how early can people make them? It's tough to make, this is the thing, yeah. you, have, you have a problem, like you can't make 12 different cookies three days before Christmas. There are some cookies that freeze really well that maybe you'd want to consider making two weeks before and, and freezing them. Like I know the oatmeal raisin cookies freeze well. The S cookies freeze well. Chocolate chip cookies will freeze well. I heard pretty much every cookie does and you can just yeah. let them defrost and then warm yep. them up. Yep. So, but I think a good rule is like, we're going to bake our Christmas cookies this coming weekend. So it will be one week before Christmas. And then, you know, sometimes, well, when the kids were, were littler, they would bring them to school and give to their teachers. I want to just say this, and again, this is not legal advice or anything like that, but I will tell you simply, on our website, we put three days for meat. 
Okay, that means if you're cooking like a dinner, a dinner recipe, say leftovers can be refrigerated for up to three days and eaten. That's what we put because that's what the USDA says. We don't want to be sued for it. That's what we put. Okay, for cookies, we put, I think, five days or seven days. Five to seven days, usually, for cookies. Look, the honest truth is just use, just use your judgment. Obviously, don't put a pot roast in the fridge for a month and then eat it, and you know, you'll, be in the, you'll, you'll be in the ER. But if it goes past three days, again, that's what, that's what we put there for legal reasons on, on our website. So baking cookies is one of the traditions that we, we've been doing for years and years and years now. Um, another one is one of my favorites. We like to drive around and look at Christmas lights. This is one of the best tra- traditions that we have. I don't know if you do this. If you don't, if you never did it, I recommend you do. It's a great time. Get a get a, like a hot cocoa, hot or a coffee. Yep. Get in with, your... with one of these insulated mugs that yep. I have here and just go go pick a good neighborhood. Around where we live, the really really expensive neighborhoods don't have any lights, right, Tara? You notice that? Yeah, but they're they're more private. There is a neighborhood which is still I would consider it to be an expensive neighborhood, but it it's funny because we were driving around there the other night and James was like, what do you think the cutoff date is for this neighborhood to get decorated? Like he was like <laughs> implying that there's some coordinator that everybody there like, is. There is. has to have their houses decorated by a certain day, by a certain yeah. company. This is a neighborhood that's in St. James. That's and a new, so that's like a new money neighborhood. It, yeah. So the houses yeah. there are expensive. The taxes are very expensive. Like all these homes have taxes over $30,000, but they're newer, they're newer construction. So it's probably younger people who own them. And they probably all, one professional light company knocked mm-hmm. on the door and they're like, hey, I'm doing Bob's down the street there. You know, you want to be as good as Bob? You you, you know, <laughs> Bob's going to outdo you. Your wife might say something to you. So like you, you're like, oh, fine, I'll, I'll do it. You know, how much is it? They're like $1,800, you know? And then the whole entire neighborhood, mm-hmm. the whole neighborhood had it. Yeah, I think they probably feel a lot of pressure to but compete. those houses are on like, I guess like a half an acre, maybe maybe three quarter. They're kind of close. They are close. Then we have this area on the North Shore of Long Island called Oldfield. And then there's other areas like Nessaquag. You drive around these areas, a lot of these homes are on three, four, six acres. And they're dark. Well, a lot and there's of them no are, lights. Yeah, they're they're set far back too. Yeah. Like you don't you're not necessarily driving there to look at lights. I think some of the areas with the best lights are the like medium income areas. They go all out. In fact, where I grew up, and the house they it, the house is there, but the family who did the decorations, they're not there anymore. I grew up in Farmingdale. It was a house that was behind the 7-Eleven that was on Route 109, like right near Secatog Avenue. If anybody's listening knows where this house is. They did the most elaborate decorations in this house. They had the whole garage converted into Santa's workshop. There were all these like animatronic things going off. I remember for me, we would walk to that house, me and my dad and I guess my mom and my sister, but I always remember it being my dad and I. We would first go to 7-Eleven, get hot chocolate, and then we would go there and look at the lights. And I think that's why I love driving around looking at lights so much because that was something that I've been doing since I was really, really little. So the house you're talking about, 
And I had houses like that in the neighborhood I grew up in, or towns over. They were probably done by, it was probably like a contractor or electrician no. who owned the house. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, that's what I'm saying. And they did it, they DIY'd the whole thing. Probably. They're like Chevy Chase in, in Christmas Vacation. This house, I'm telling you, was incredible. There were snowmen, like lit up snowmen going along the whole roof. Anyway, that's driving around looking at lights. I would say, yes, you said get some hot chocolate or coffee or tea or whatever yeah. it is that you drink when you're going to do it. Also, it's fun to wear your Christmas pajamas. Yes. Or to dress in something really cozy the biggest, if you're going to do it. The biggest problem, is, I don't know if this is how, if you're experiencing this, but people have lost their mind on the road. Here in Long Island, people are just, they're, they're maniacs on the road. And not all of them, that's what makes it even worse. But you got to be careful when you're doing this. Of course. That's, it's well, just, it's, of course. You, got, you know, you're trying to drive, you're trying to look at the lights. Yeah, I and, mean, your warm beverage shouldn't be, you know, mulled wine. I mean, it's no, like. No, I'm not even, I don't even <laughs> no, mean I, that. No, I know, I'm just saying, like, of course, that you know, goes the, without saying. I'm if you're going to drive, simply, you have to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. The other tradition that we have is Sam, our daughter, loves to set up a hot cocoa bar. Oh, yes. Every year in our kitchen. So. She did it again this year. Yeah. And she's got like candy canes and um I'm marshmallows. Actually, I'm gonna show I'm gonna show that cocoa bar. I'm gonna do um for the Patreon listeners, we're gonna do uh, a little Patreon special and I'll I'll show that area and also a couple other things. Um so that's a lot of fun. It just it just kind of gives like a cozy feeling to the house. And ours is on just like a little tiny, it's not a big bar, it's a little tiny. What would you even call it? It's where our coffee maker is. It's right next to that. So it's just a, a tiny little station set up, but it gives the kitchen and the house in general kind of that that cozy it's feeling. It's a little a little table. I bought it from that table from Home Depot for about one hundred and fifty dollars. It's a very very small. Uh, kind of, uh, what's it called? Like a kitchen, like a kitchen cart or something. Yeah, like that. it's like a movable yeah. island. Yeah. Um. Okay. Another tradition that my my dad and his brothers do. I don't even know if you're aware of this. <laughs> the re-gift Santa. Do you know this? No. Okay. Every year, Santa comes on Christmas Eve to our house, right? In the flesh. Often it's my dad or one of his. Well, oh, in, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. in the past, it was yeah. one of my dad's brothers, like one of my uncles yeah. or my dad dressing up. And that torch has kind of been passed. In fact, James asked if he could dress up as Santa. I'm probably, I'm probably going to have to do it. Yeah. So somebody will dress God up. God knows like, my belly is, I don't have to you've been, stuff anything in my belly. Yeah. You've been, you've been working on that Santa yeah. costume all year. So somebody will dress up like Santa and the, Santa will actually hand out the gifts that we all give each other. But one of the things that my dad and his brothers like to do is they like to re-gift really bad gifts. Mm. So you might wind up with a CD maybe, or by like, I'm trying to think player. of like, yeah, like a really bad movie. Like a, like, like a Sony Walk um, Discman. Maybe, but it would be like, I don't know, like a CD by like Millie Vanilli. Not that, <laughs> I, I'm just trying to like, not you're, to You're knock, allowed to say Millie Vanilli is bad. Not to knock Millie Vanilli, Millie Vanilli, but like I'm trying to, bad. I'm trying to come up with like, you're like allowed a bad to say gift. That. And the gift comes from the re-gift Santa. So they like, that's that's a funny thing that they like to do. You know Millie Vanilli never sung any of those songs, right? No, I know. Yeah. Yeah. So Jim, another tradition, and I'm sure most families out there have these 
traditions that we do. I don't think we're unique at all. But um, the other thing we do is pretty much the whole month leading up to Christmas, we'll try and watch some of our favorite Christmas movies. Some of them are debatable on whether or not they are a Christmas movie. So some of the ones that are, I think, without question are Home Alone, Home Alone 2, Christmas Vacation, Scrooge. Scrooge, yep. Right? My, spirited you can add in there now. Uh, yes, I did. That's one okay. of our new favorites, Spirited, which it's is okay. It's not a favorite, it's okay. Yeah, it's a twist on yeah. it's a musical twist on a Christmas carol. It's a Ryan Reynolds movie, yeah. which I don't know about you, but I think I've had a little too much Ryan Reynolds, you know, like I, it, he's <laughs> everywhere, you know. It's I heard the other day, you know how much he's worth? Take a wild guess his net worth. 100 million. 250 million. 500? 400 million. Okay. Yeah. I I don't know. I I mean he's he's funny. It's probably most of his money was probably made from the Deadpool character. That's probably. what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And then one of my favorite Christmas movies obviously is A Christmas Carol. The specifically the movie that I like is the George C. Scott version. I also happen to like the Albert Finney version which is just called Scrooge, I think. But those are the two that I grew up watching. Did you include Elf in your list? No, because so I, I'm not a big fan of Elf. All right, but and you, that's not one that we're talking about our traditions. Yeah, we don't I, always watch Elf so because I, Sammy doesn't like it. I do like Elf. The problem is my the women in my family don't <laughs> like Will Ferrell for some reason. And <laughs> like that's the thing. Like One of the funniest movies is uh, Talladega Nights. And they won't watch that one with me. But yeah, I digress. I think we're missing a couple that aren't on your list that should be on your list. I want to talk about some controversial Christmas movies. Okay. One that I'm going to mention, and it's one that my dad told me a few years ago, you have to watch this. Watch it with Sammy. You'll love it. And the movie is Love Actually. He's like, it's a great Christmas movie. So I sit down to watch it with Sammy. And if those of you have seen it, you'll know that one of maybe the first or second scenes is a really, really inappropriate adult scene. So I had to right away stop it. And I was like, oh, Sam, we can't watch this anymore. Anyway, so I don't know. I didn't, I have not finished watching it. But to me, when I think of like Christmas movies, I think of movies that are family friendly. And that's why I think the next okay. movie we're going to talk about saying. might yeah. not be a Christmas movie, even though I think most people, at least in our generation, Gen X, we think this is a Christmas movie. And that is? Die Hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Die Hard is 100% a Christmas movie. And I'll just say, I just watched Die Hard last year with James, and he's not old. And you know, I told him, you know, James, be prepared. He was He loved it. <laughs> And I will just say that Die Hard is way less violent and all that stuff compared to the other crazy movie we just watched. <laughs> what was the name of that one? Violent Night. Yeah, with Hopper from uh, Stranger Things. Yeah, uh, David Harbour. David Harbour. He Who plays, is actually um, from, do you know he's from White Plains? No kidding. Yeah. Well, there's somebody without an accent, you know. Yeah. But um, he um, plays a Nordic Santa you can't remember why, but anyway, he's Santa. He has magic powers. And John Leguizamo and a whole crew of, like, terrorists, they they 
try to break into this house that supposedly has like a hundred million dollars in it. So Santa, David Harbor, proceeds to kill about a hundred people with his <laughs> hammer. Like his Thor hammer. And let me tell you, it's way more violent than Die Hard was. Entertaining comedy. So I guess the violence, because it's comedic, yeah. it's done well. And they actually, I was reading the director. He said that they were, it is an homage to Die Hard. And, yeah, for and sure. And they also had a couple scenes from um, Home Alone. Yes. They did include some of the Home Alone things. The little girl in the movie, she did some of the... She tried some of the tricks that Kevin did, except hers was oh, yeah, more a little bit more violent. But it was entertaining. We watched that one uh, with the kids. and He's like kicking ass while they're play- playing in the background the Brian Adams something about yeah. Christmas time movies. Yeah, it was it was okay. I mean, it's nowhere near I liked as good. It. I mean, nowhere near as good as Die Hard. Well, Die Hard is a classic. Well, why do I, why do I like it? You I, like David Arbor? I have a little crush. On David Arbor? I, I do. Yeah. The well, kids know, you too. Know what? Every, the kids get so so mad at me when I say that I have a crush on David Harbor, or like they think I'm like doing something nefarious. I know. They get mad. <laughs> well, did, oh you, you should watch Black Widow, the Marvel movie, because he's in like, he's in one of those superhero suits. Yeah. I heard he has like a- He plays like a Russian. A, a dad bod yeah. in, in that. Well, he has a dad bod in like every yeah. everything, except for maybe season one of Stranger Things. Look, but. every dad has a dad bod, and I don't know if he has kids or not, but like, you're not supposed to be in your 40s or 50s with- Eight percent body fat. So let's talk about some some of our food traditions for Christmas, Christmas Day specifically. We already talked about Christmas Eve and the seven fishes and all that stuff. So I want to really focus on on Christmas Day and what are some of the things that we do every year as a meal. So Christmas Day, it's always a rib roast. Uh, doesn't have to be. We actually were debating this year possibly doing a Chateaubriand, mm-hmm. but it's typically beef. For us. Mm-hmm. Now, you want to change that, right? You want a goose. So one of my dreams is to one year do a traditional English, like straight out of a Dickens novel, <laughs> Christmas dinner with a goose and the Christmas pudding, which I understand takes several days. I know we have a few listeners in the UK. If you have any like tried and true Christmas pudding recipes and tips and tricks that you would like to send my way. I would love to hear from you. But that's my dream one year is to have a traditional English Christmas dinner. I do really love on Christmas Day. Like I like listening to Christmas music on the radio, like pop Christmas music leading up to Christmas Eve. And then for some reason on Christmas Day, I really like this one particular um, album it's called Irish Country Christmas, hmm. and it's just all instrumental music, and it just makes me feel so happy. <laughs> Irish Country Christmas. Yeah. it's. I think the guy's name is Craig Duncan. I don't know, but there's like guitars, and I, I don't know. He's got some traditional well, Irish and English instrumental music on there. That's easy to include. I don't know about the goose, though. I don't. Where am I going to get a goose? Outside. 
Yeah, I know. We have a lake by us <laughs> with a couple of them. No, I wouldn't say to those do that. Those are tremendous. Is that is yeah. that those are goose, right? That's what they are. Well, they're swans. Oh too. no, those are swans. Yeah, yeah. no, I was like yeah. those things are huge. Yeah. No, I'm no, the kidding. Go- yeah, can... geese are on the are on the road. Yeah. Uh, always. Yeah. No, I geese are honestly, always on like the soccer fields. Oh my god, they're so cute. Never mind. I don't think I want to eat one. Well, of it's them. the same thing with a duck. We always see the duck at that. We see a bunch of ducks at the lake. Yeah. Along with the swans, there's like two swans like control that lake. They're like they're like the enforcers there. And they must be about 10 times the size of a duck. Yeah, they're huge. But the ducks are so cute. You know, they're like going like duck, you know, build down, like their butts are sticking up in the air. They're trying to like find whatever they're trying to find on the bottom of the bottom of the water. And yeah, it just makes you not want to have one. Yeah. Though duck is pretty good. Long Island duck specifically. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. All right. So Jim, any other traditions you want to talk about? By the time you listen to this or watch this, the rib roast will have been published on Thursday. So only a few days earlier. If you need help making a rib roast, if you don't know how to do it, definitely watch the video. I showed how to tie it, showed how to do like a slip knot. I showed how to remove the bone because you might run into a situation where if you buy it from Costco, they're not going to do that for you. So you'll have to do it yourself. It's not a big deal. We actually had somebody ask a question about uh, what was what was the specific question that they asked about the bone? It was the ch- about the chine bone. The chine, which, so, which is, is the not, backbone. Yeah, but it's not something that's really a problem here yeah. in the U.S. when you buy it, yeah. unless you're getting like an entire cow. Yeah, and you have and to. I want the, to address that for for a second. Yeah, with people. go ahead. So yeah, that's that's how it's connected. And so the ribs, and then you'll be connected to this chine or backbone. You're never going to see that. You're, you're you're never going to. So I don't know if the person was in the UK or or what, or if they were in the middle of America and they were buying a full steer. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but that's not something that's going to be a problem for you. So with a regular boning knife or just just a regular chef's knife, you can easily remove the bone. How how I did in the video, and then you tie it back up. This makes it easier by having it on the bone. You get it'll be a little juicier. And then when it comes time to, after you roast it, to carve it, as simple as removing that string, and then you have your full rib roast without the bone, so you could cut nice slices. Mm-hmm. Chateaubriand, even easier to make if you want to just do that. The Yorkshire pudding is also really good, too. We don't have a recipe up for that, but that's, what is that, flour, egg, and then... You make it a cold batter. Yeah. A lot of times there'll be eggs in it, there'll be milk in it. You stick the batter in the fridge. Some people will even stick it in the freezer. You After you do your roast with the drippings, the hot drippings, you pour your batter in there mm-hmm. and it'll rapidly expand when yeah. it's in the oven. You can do individuals in a muffin tin. Mm-hmm. So each person gets their own little Yorkshire pudding. Mm-hmm. Or you can use, say you do your roast in a big cast iron. No need to drain now. You just pull your roast out, pour your batter into the cast iron, put it in the oven, and you have this massive Yorkshire pudding. Mm-hmm. But the way that we did the roast in the video, there's not really any drippings because it's kind of, it's a low and slow and then you're searing at the end. That's the one downside to it. Okay, so that's really all I have for our traditions. And we'd really love to hear from you on your favorite Christmas or other holiday type of traditions that take place during this time of the year. Send us an email to podcast at sipandfeast.com. And as always, send us questions too. Yeah, send us your questions and we'll be back next week with a whole new episode. And we might actually be taking 
off from the YouTube cooking videos for a couple weeks. We're not sure yet, right, Tara? That's right. We we feel like we want we filmed maybe a lot. like a little bit of a break. We probably have around six the holidays. videos filmed already that yeah. are, have not been published. Yeah, so. we just want to spend some time with with our family and yeah. and really enjoy this part this time of the year. And we encourage all of you to do the same. We do. We'll see you next time.